You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. For those of us who believe in Jesus, for those of us that put our faith and our hope and our trust in him. And so this is something that we should expect. In fact, uh, he says this in Matthew chapter 5 in part of his Sermon on the Mount in verses 11 and 12. Jesus says this. Can we put that on the screen for me so everybody? Yeah, he says, count yourselves blessed. This is out of the message translation. Count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and my witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. So if this sort of thing has ever happened to you, or if it is happening to you, then you are no different than any of those people that have put their trust, their hope in the Lord uh, throughout the annals of history. You are being just like them. And this is something to be expected and something that we should embrace. Because here's the deal. We We may not be able to stop people from talking about us, But you know what we can do? We can make every single one of them out to be a liar. We may not be able to stop people from talking about us, but we can make them out to be a liar. And the way that we do that is by living a life of integrity. Living a life of integrity. Everybody say that word, integrity. Here's what integrity is defined as. In the dictionary, it is firm adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic values. It's incorruptibility. And, and there are others, there are many thought leaders uh, throughout history that have given various definitions of integrity. I thought that I would bring a few of those to the table today. Uh, the first one is this from C.S. Lewis. Um, Many of you know him from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He wrote this. He says, integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. Tony Dungy, a well-known NFL coach, uh, said, integrity is the choice between what's convenient and what's right. Leadership expert John Maxwell says that image is what people think we are, but integrity is what we really are. And I like to think of integrity as the consistency between who you are in the daylight and who you are in the dark. And when I say that, some people get uncomfortable. And if that makes you squeamish, if if you get like a check in your gut, that means that maybe you're not living a life of integrity. And, and there's, there's difficulty there because guess what? To be a person of integrity, especially in this day and age, is very, very difficult. Today we're in part three of a series called Uncompromised, where we've been taking a look at the Old Testament book of Daniel to discover what it looks like to live out a bold courageous, authentic faith in an age full of compromise. 
And two weeks ago in part one, we talked about the importance of our identity and knowing not just who we are, but also knowing whose we are. And last week in part two, we talked about the importance of our influence and how if we will stand for God, then he will always stand for us. And today we're going to take a look at um, a fairly well-known passage to a lot of people. Uh, maybe if you grew up in Sunday school, like I talked about at the beginning of the message, this will be a very well-known story or passage to you. We're going to be in Daniel chapter six, where we learn the story of Daniel and the den of lions. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I'm going to go ahead right here off the top and give you the big idea. Here's kind of what we're talking about today. So if you're, if you're taking notes, you may want to write this down. Um, today's big idea is that in, in a world full of compromise, integrity is integral. In a world full of compromise, integrity is integral. And so when we find ourselves in Daniel chapter 6, here's an overview that kind of gets us to this point. Um, Israel has been taken into captivity by, uh, by Babylon. And Daniel, at the time that that happened, most scholars believe that he was somewhere between like 17 and maybe 20 years old. Okay? And, and so um, during that time, they're taken into Babylon, and, and it's clear right from the get-go, we learn in Daniel chapter 1, that Daniel and some of his Israelite friends, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they set themselves apart. They, they have made it very clear up front who they're going to be and how they're going to behave and that they're going to live lives that are surrendered to uh, the God Most High. And, um, and so they conduct themselves in that manner. And as a result, we see throughout the course of Daniel, as his story unfolds, that the Lord blesses Daniel and ends up giving him a, a place of prominence within the government. And this is not just in the government of Babylon, but this continues as Babylon gets overthrown by even other uh, military forces, even other kingdoms come in. And Daniel maintains this position the whole time. And so we fast forward from that moment where Israel uh, is taken into captivity. We fast forward 60 to 65 years or so um, when Babylon is overthrown by the Medes and the Persians. Uh, think uh, modern day Iran is really kind of where we're talking about or what we're talking about at that point. And so here in Daniel chapter 6, Darius the Mede is the king. And he divides the kingdom into 120 different provinces. And he establishes these, these officers to rule, to oversee the affairs of each province. And then Daniel, along with two others that are uh, perhaps Babylonian or, or Persian, um, Daniel is chosen as an administrator for the king to oversee all of these officers over those 120 provinces, to protect the king's financial and military interest in each region. And because of Daniel's experience and because of his abilities, um, King Darius has actually made plans at this moment when we, when we jump into the beginning of chapter 6. King Darius has made plans to place Daniel, who, remind, uh, let me remind you, he's an Israelite. He's a complete and total outsider. Like, not only is he not a, a Mede or a Persian, he's also not a Babylon. He is an Israelite. He is as far outside of the mix as you can possibly get. But yet Darius, because of 
of his experience and his ability has said, I'm going to put Daniel over the three administrators who are overseeing all of the 120 provincial officers. And so that means that next to the king, Daniel would be second in command over the entire kingdom. And so naturally, you guys can see where this is going and can understand how it could quickly unfold. This leads to a great deal of jealousy from the other administrators and causes them to begin scheming together about a way that they can undermine Daniel and take away this new position that he is being afforded. And so Daniel 6, it actually serves as a parallel for what we talked about last week in Daniel chapter 3 with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and the blazing furnace. And it parallels the prideful leadership that is in power there. It parallels the persecution that the believers in God receive as a result of that prideful leadership. And then it parallels God's provision and protection in the midst of that persecution. And then ultimately the, the, um, the, the promotion or, or the, the blessing that those godly men receive as a result. In Daniel 3, with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in the blazing furnace, it focuses on our public behavior. But Daniel 6, as we will find out, as we will learn together, it focuses on our, our private, our inward behavior, the, the kind of things that we do that maybe no one else is around to see. And so that's uh, hopefully what uh, the, the questions that are going to be answered and that, that we'll, we'll dig out some nuggets from this story that, that we can apply to our lives that can help us live as people of integrity. And I believe that there are five specific components that this particular chapter highlights for us on what it means to live a lifestyle of integrity. So five components of a lifestyle of integrity. And we're going to pick up the story in Daniel chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, with component number 1, godly duty. Godly duty. If we're going to be a person of integrity, we have to live with a, a godly duty. There's a responsibility. There is a requirement. And, and Daniel uh, chapter 6 verses 4 and 5 says this right here. It says, then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Daniel was faithful, he was always responsible, and he was completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So Daniel understood his identity. He, he not only knew who he was, but he knew whose he was. And he embraced the requirements and the responsibilities of what it meant to live a life that was surrendered to God. 
And over the past 60 plus years, Daniel had established this well-known and well-recorded track record of this kind of behavior to the point that when they looked through all of his, his lifestyle, when they looked through everything that Daniel was about, they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn him because he was faithful, he was responsible, he was trustworthy, he was everything that you would want in this kind of leader. He was the model citizen, even though it wasn't his own country. He did everything by the book, according to the rules, the way that they were supposed to be done. And you and I need to understand that, that when we make a decision to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, our lives should look different than they did before. Our lives should look different than people who haven't made that decision. Our actions should be different. Our language should be different. Our mindset should be different. The way that we treat other people, the way that we talk to and about other people, all of those things, they should be different. And this is not, it's not just a suggestion of how things should be or maybe could be, this is an expectation that, that for those of us who are in Christ, that we've been sanctified, we've been set apart for a holy, a specific, a special purpose. And so there should be something different about those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ that, that is, is different, it separates us from the rest of the world who doesn't believe in him or who isn't choosing to live a life surrendered for him. And, and the tension, thank you, the tension is that a lot of us, we don't have a 60-year track record of this kind of behavior like Daniel did. And, and so what, what happens is, is that, that the enemy wants to come into our life and often through other people and he wants to point out our past mistakes and the way that we've been living and, and all the things that we've done in our past to, to use that to discredit our current walk with Christ. And over and over and over, he wants to bring up all of that mess that we used to be, all of that, all that stuff that we used to be caught up in, the, the way that we used to live, the things that we used to do. And he wants to remind us and remind everybody else, this is who that person is. And I need somebody here to hear me this morning. That may be who you were, but it doesn't have to be who you are. Because when Jesus comes in, all of that goes away. The old life is gone. The old way is gone. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so all of those things, all of that way that you used to live, it was defeated at the cross. And it is behind you. So that may be who you were, but it is not who you are. Paul talks about this in Romans 8, verse 1. and verse 4, he says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. 
There's no condemnation for those of us who we've crossed the threshold into a relationship with Jesus and we're no longer living according to our own desires, but instead we are living in step with and in, in keeping with the Holy Spirit, his power and his presence that is at work within us, leading and guiding and directing us so that we can become more and more like Jesus each and every day. And so, yeah, we, we may not have that 60-year track record like Daniel did. But you know how you get one of those 60-year track records? You live as an, a person of integrity today, and then you get up tomorrow and you do it all over again. And then the next day, and the next day, and you just decide. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday or any time before now, that as far as today is concerned, and from this point going forward, this is the kind of person I'm going to be. And then every single day, you just follow the Spirit. You follow the Spirit. You welcome Him into your life. You, you, As He leads and guides and directs, you keep in step and you move in that direction, and you determine, I'm going to be a person of integrity today, and then tomorrow, and then the next day, and then the next day, and eventually you'll look back, and there's that 60-year track record. And other people are looking at you and saying, man, how can I have what that person has? How can I be like that? How can I have those kinds of experiences and things in my life? It's because we embrace that godly duty. We wrap our arms around the responsibilities and the requirements of what it means to be a Christ follower. And then one day at a time, one hour at a time, one minute at a time, one second at a time, we, we get right in line with the Holy Spirit and we just follow after him and we live as a person of integrity. So when it comes to godly duty, my, my question for you is something that we should ask ourselves is, am I willing to embrace the requirements and responsibilities of what it means to follow Jesus? Am I willing to embrace those requirements and responsibilities? If yes, then that can determine the trajectory of your life from this point. If no, that will also determine the trajectory of your life from this point. That doesn't take away the fact that if we're going to be in this thing, there are certain requirements and responsibilities that get placed on us. We've got to follow after the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life so the passage continues, and these, these others that are, are jealous of Daniel, they come together and they, they formulate this plan, and they go to the king with it, and, and it's, it's these two other administrators, and then all 120 of the provincial officers. Daniel is, is um, ironically missing this part of the story, but they go and they, they have this court with the king and they go to the king and they say, hey, we've, we've all decided and we are all in agreement. So they're lying right to the king's face because Daniel's not in agreement of this. But we are all in agreement that you are great and you are mighty and wouldn't it be awesome? They come up with this great idea. Wouldn't it be amazing if for the next 30 days, if you issued a decree that Anyone in, in, the, in the nation, anyone that is under your rule, that, that no one could pray to any other God or any other source but you, that for the next 30 days they had to pray to you and you alone. And so what they're doing is, is they are appealing to 
the king's pride. They're flattering him and they're tickling his ears with the kinds of things that, that he wants to hear. And so what he is, what he is thinking is, is okay, here is a, here's, here's a nation that has been taken capti- uh, into captivity by another nation that then we came in and overthrew. And so you've got all of these different people groups, all of these different ideas. And man, wouldn't it be great? He's trying to figure out a way. How can I unite all of these people? Well, man, if for the next 30 days, if they all had to bow down and worship and pray to me and me alone, then not only would the people be united, but I would be the figurehead of that. Yes, this sounds like a great idea. And so he draws up the papers and he initiates this decree, this edict, and seals it with the wax of of the king's um, signet ring and everything. And so this is put into place. And if anyone is is going to, to disobey and not follow this new edict, this new law that's been put into place, then they face having to spend the night in the den of lions. They don't feed these lions very regularly, so they're pretty hungry. And so naturally, anytime fresh meat gets thrown in front of them, it gets devoured pretty quickly. And there have been those that no doubt had experienced this before, and so word had gotten around, hey, if you have to go to the lion's den, you're not coming out on the other side. So not only do we have a godly duty, but number two, what this story shows us is that we we have to have a godly direction, that our lives need to be moving in a godly direction. And we pick it up with verse 10. It says that when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. And he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. See, the key to integrity is consistency in the right kind of behavior. It's doing the right thing and then doing it over and over and over again. And I love how this verse says that Daniel, he just went about his business as usual. And he did the things just as he had always done. And that the things that he did was, was it was praying. He just re-engaged, he realigned, he reconnected with his father. He, he didn't have to change any of his behavior. He didn't have to, to do anything differently because this is just how he had already been behaving for the past 60 plus years. Remember that track record that had been established. And I love that it says that, that he prayed with his windows open toward Jerusalem. This wasn't any kind of, uh, of, of, hey, look at me from Daniel. And he certainly wasn't doing this at this moment in order, to, um, in, in order to get a rise out of these people and to kind of stick it to them for this, this law. And, and I'll show you, not only will I go to my room and pray, but I'll open the windows and do it. No, it wasn't anything like that. It was what he had always done. And he prayed with his windows open, looking out toward Jerusalem because that represented the epicenter of his faith. That was where where the God most high, that he dwelt, his presence in the tabernacle. And Daniel knew, I might be in captivity over here, but my heart is in Jerusalem. My heart is in the holy city that I am focused on the things of God. And I want to be sure that morning and noon and night that I I am realigning myself in the direction of 
the things of God because that is the direction that I want my life to move. In 1 Peter 4.19, we read this. It says, so if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you for he will never fail you. That's what Daniel was doing. He had this, this right behavior established in his life, and he just kept doing what was right. No matter the fact that he could, could potentially face suffering, no matter the fact that, that the, the threat of the lion's den was hanging out over his head, he just continued to do what was right. Daniel knew the consequences of his actions. But this kind of behavior, this going to his room and morning, noon, and night, praying with the windows open towards Jerusalem to realign his heart to the things of God, it wasn't just something that he did. It's who he was, the fiber, the very core of his being. So he was going to stop at nothing to keep his arrow pointed in the direction of God and to do what was right, to do the things that were going to please God and to honor him. And so when it comes to godly direction in our life, the, the question that you and I need to ask ourselves is, am I consistently behaving in such a way that it keeps my arrow pointed in the direction of God? Because the way that we live our life, it's doing one of two things. It's either moving us away from God or it's moving us toward God. So in the way that we behave, are, are we consistently behaving in the way that we live in such a way that keeps our arrow pointed in the direction of God? Five components of a lifestyle of integrity. First, we have to realize that we have a godly duty. Number two, we have uh, to, to keep our lives moving in a godly direction. Number three, we need to have a godly desire. A godly desire. In verse 11 of chapter 6, as the story continues, it says, Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Daniel knew what he was up against, and he knew that God was the only one who could do something about it. He wasn't trying to do anything in his own strength. He didn't go and petition the king, lowercase k. Instead, he went to petition the king, uppercase k. Daniel didn't go to, 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 to uh, uh, the king of, of the Medes and the Persians. He went to the king of kings and the lord of lords, the king of all, uh, all heaven and, 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 and the earth and, and the universe. That's where Daniel went. He knew that's the only one that can change my predicament. That's the only one that can, that can make a difference in this situation. David writes about this in, in Psalm 55. He says this right here in verse 16 through 19. He says, but I will call on God and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night. There it is. You see this pattern being established. I cry out in my distress and the Lord hears my voice. He ransoms me and keeps me safe from the battle waged against me. Though many still oppose me, God who has ruled forever will hear me and will humble them. See, Daniel knew an important secret that you and I need to learn. And it's that outlook determines outcome. Outlook determines 
outcome. Since, since Daniel knew that only God could rescue him from the situation, he simply leaned into his desire for God and asked him, God, will you move? God, will you move on my behalf? God, I need your help. His desire was for God, and, and that was his outlook. And so since that was his outlook, that drove him to this desired outcome. You'll notice that, that Daniel didn't freak out. He didn't fly off the handle. He didn't do anything irrational or crazy. He just trusted in God. Despite the fact of this, this monumental adversity that was just right on the other side of this situation. Despite all of the threats, despite all of the things that had said, that, that had been said about him, he didn't do anything different. He just continued to trust in God, just like he'd always done. And so if we're going to be the kind of people that say, we trust in God, then it doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is. It doesn't matter what comes next. Nothing should ever change that. That's what happened in Daniel's life. I love this quote from Nelson Mandela. He says, those who conduct themselves with morality, integrity, and consistency need not fear the forces of inhumanity and cruelty. Daniel knew he didn't have anything to fear because he was this kind of person. He was conducting himself with integrity. He was the kind of person that no matter what, his trust was in God and his arrow was pointed in the direction of things that would honor God. And so he knew, I have nothing to fear in this matter because of who I am and even more because of whose I am. So the question we need to ask ourselves when it comes to godly desire in our life is this. Does my desire for God and his protection outweigh my fear of the world and its threats? Does my desire for God and, and his protection, does it outweigh my fear of the world and its threats? We have a godly duty godly direction, godly determination when it comes to integrity and living a lifestyle of integrity. Number four, there's going to come about a time for godly determination, godly determination. And so what happens is, is, is these, these uh, administrators, they, they go and they see Daniel and, and he's praying in his house. And so they can't get to the king fast enough to, to tattletale on him and, and let, let the king know that what Daniel is participating in. And all of a sudden, the king, he figures it out. All of the dots start to connect. He, he starts to realize that, that he had been duped and, 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 and what's been put into place. But because he had issued this law, he can't go back on it because what would that do to his authority for the remainder of the people after all? So he's got to maintain his position. And, and so he, he sadly, he sends for Daniel and, and has Daniel arrested. And, and he's about to be thrown into the den of lions, and the king says that the king says, I, I hope that the God that you serve will come and rescue you. I hope that the God that you serve will come and rescue you. 
He has Daniel lowered down into this den of hungry lions and they put a stone across the top so that no one can get out and the, the king once again seals it with wax from his signet ring so that it's fully protected and then the king, he goes back to his palace and, and the Bible says that, that he, doesn't, he doesn't have any of his normal entertainment come in that even is so nice of him. While Daniel's in there with those, he, he foregoes all the, the feast and everything. He says, I'm not going to do that tonight. I'm not going to have the court jester come in and make me laugh. I'm not going to eat the fatted calf. I'm, I'm not going to do all these things. He can't even sleep because he's so worried about Daniel. And finally, the sun comes up the next morning, and, and Darius runs out, and he has the stone removed from the, the pit of lions, and he calls out to Daniel, Daniel! Did you make it through the night? And we pick it up in verse 22, where Daniel says, My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight. And I have not wronged you, your majesty. And the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. And just like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, that, that their, their hair wasn't singed and their clothes weren't burned and they didn't even smell like smoke, Daniel had spent the night in a den full of hungry lions, but not a scratch was found on him. Why? For he had trusted in his God. He had trusted in his God. Daniel was delivered from the lions, but not before he had to face them. That's an important thing for you and I to remember. Daniel was delivered from the lions, but not before he had to face them. And a lot of times we, we face this, this adversity and we go through this struggle and, and things of life tend to rear their ugly head and come against us. And, and we want to shake our fist at God, but, but we fail to realize that, that God is producing something in us during that time. He, he's not punishing us. He's allowing us to experience those moments because he's wanting to develop something in us. The Bible says that, that not a scratch was found on Daniel because he had trusted in his God. When we walk through these, these times, these situations, these seasons in our life where the lions are roaring and growling and, and threatening, it's not because God has abandoned us. He's there in the midst of it with us, but he's just wanting to, to, to point out that, that he's the one in control. He's the one in charge. He's the one that is determining the outcome if we will put our trust in him. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, we read this. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Verse 9 says, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. For those of us who have put our faith, our hope, our trust in Jesus Christ, we are going to come under the attack of the enemy. It is going to happen. If it's not happening now, just get ready because it's getting ready to happen. You're either coming out of a battle, you're in the middle of a battle, or you're headed into a battle. That's just how it works. And just because we, we surrender our life to Jesus doesn't mean it's all sunshine and rainbows from that point on. Bad stuff still happens to God's people. But what God wants um, 
is, is for us to realize that, that though the enemy, he wants for us to be destroyed. That, that's, that's his main objective. And he's going to use our words and our thoughts and our actions against us in, in order to do that. But what God wants us to realize is that in that moment that we can stand against the enemy. We can stand against his schemes by the way that we believe and the, the way that we behave. We can choose to live in a way that doesn't have to succumb to this roaring lion that is seeking someone to devour. Or... We can rub ourselves in butter and lay down on the lion's dinner table. Those are the choices that we have. We don't have to succumb to that, though. We can't rise above it, but we are going to have to face that enemy. Zig Ziglar says this. He says, with integrity, you have nothing to fear since you have nothing to hide. With integrity, you will do the right thing so you will have no guilt. That means that even though we're facing these circumstances, even though we're walking through these situations, even though the lion is growling and roaring and coming at us with bared fangs and claws, doesn't mean that we have to give in. We don't have to fall prey to his attacks. We can continue to do the right thing. We can continue to rise above. We can continue to be people that choose to live differently. And don't give in to the enemy's schemes and his attacks directed toward us. So the question that we need to ask ourselves, it comes to godly determination. What, what is God going to be able to determine in our life about the way we conduct ourselves and the way that we handle these trials and these temptations, these tribulations when they come our way? The question that we ask ourselves is when it comes to the enemy's accusations against me, is the life I'm living, is it building his case? When it comes to the enemy's accusations against me, the, the things that he's saying I'm guilty of, is the life that I'm living, is it supporting, is it building his case? Or are we going to be like Daniel where we can say, the God of heaven looked down and found that I was innocent in his sight. He determined my innocence. Which way is it going to be? We've got a godly duty, godly direction, godly desire, godly determination. The fifth component of a lifestyle of integrity is a godly decree. A godly decree. When we live a lifestyle of integrity, this is the, this is the, the product that is birthed out of that. It's a godly decree. See, Daniel was brought up out of the lion's den and his accusers and their families were thrown in in his place. And the Bible says that they hadn't even hit the ground good before the lions were on top of them and devouring them. The story continues in verse 26. The king sees all that has happened. We're on the backside of this and he says, I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered 
See, the way that Daniel chose to live his life caused other people that were on the outside of faith to sit up and take notice. The way that he chose to live his life called people that didn't even believe in the Most High God to take notice of who that God was. And I love this statement where he says, the God of Daniel. People say that about us. I want to be that kind of person where, where people, where someone say, I decree that everyone everywhere should tremble with fear because before the God of Blake. That I wouldn't be known for my own name. I would be known for the God in which I serve. That's the kind of person I want to be. Because Daniel chose to live this way, not only did other people rise up and take notice, but Daniel prospered as a result. See, the same thing is true in Daniel 6 as was true in Daniel 3. When we stand for God, he will stand for us. And when God stands for us, make no doubt about it, others will take notice and they will be inspired to recognize and to to tremble before our God as well. That's what we talk about. We exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. That's our mission. That's why we're here. That's what living a lifestyle of integrity is all about. So the question to ask yourself, when it comes to whether or not we're experiencing this godly decree in our life is, would the way that I'm living my life, this question to ask yourself, would the way that I'm living my life, both publicly and privately, would it inspire someone else to follow after the God that I claim to serve? That's a tough question. Is the way that I'm living my life, both publicly and privately, would it inspire someone else if they knew the full gamut? Would it inspire someone else to follow after the God that I claim to serve? That's what integrity is all about. It's not easy. That's why it's important. Consider what Paul wrote about Jesus to the church in Philippi. Philippians chapter two, verses nine through 11. It says, says, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's the way that we're living causing people to do that. Because here's what I know. If it doesn't happen now, it's going to happen eventually. Everyone on this earth is gonna make this choice. They're gonna gonna participate in this action. Every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess, and, and we're gonna do it either because we choose to or because we're forced to. 
So we either do it now or we only delay the inevitable. Choice is ours. The choice is yours. I've made my choice. As for me and my house, as for me in this house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to put our hope and trust in Him. Regardless of the situation, regardless as to whether or not COVID comes back or not, Regardless as to whether or not we have to wear masks again and if the the vaccine turns into 12 shots instead of two, regardless if they come and they paint the church rainbow color, whatever that's going to look like, we're just going to serve the Lord. Regardless of what Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or whoever is going to sit in any of those seats in the Oval Office or the White House, regardless of any of that, we're just going to keep serving the Lord. That's just who we're going to be. We're going to put our trust in him, regardless of anything else. Outlook determines outcome. And my responsibility is obedience, and God's responsibility is the outcome. And so that's how we're going to behave. That's what it means to live a lifestyle of integrity. It means that all of those outstanding outside factors, they place no bearing on who I am or how I live. That I'm going to be the same person in the daylight as I am in the dark. This is just who I'm going to be and how I'm going to live. And every single day, I'm going to get up, I'm going to brush my teeth, and I'm going to follow Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow after the leading and the guiding, the direction of his Holy Spirit in my life, regardless of what other decisions everyone else makes. That's just how we are going to conduct business. And I believe that if we'll do that, we can make a difference in the lives of those around us. I believe that if, we, if we'll do that, it may just be one other person, but we can change that person's eternity because we chose to live as a person of integrity. And no matter how loud the roars of the lions get, we don't have to be afraid because we know the God that we serve. Throw me to the lions, okay. Because if you take away this life, if I don't come out on the other side, I'm in heaven with the, in the presence of my heavenly father. So what have you done to me to take this away? A favor? When you look at it that way, what do we have to lose? But if we choose to live this way, think of all we have to gain that's what this story is all about that's what it means to live uncompromised next week we're going to close out this series we're going to talk about the, the things that, that would be on the, the, the seedy underbelly of all of this the, the things that come against us that, that want to pull us away from being these kinds of people and living this kind of way these potential pitfalls in our life and then after that, for the next few weeks, we're, we're going to, to dig into the Psalms and um, we're going to highlight several Psalms to see what we can do to, to formulate what it means to have this biblical worldview. That it's one thing to say we're going to live as, as people uncompromised, but, but we, have to, we have to change the way that we think and we have to start to look at things through the lens of God's word. 
So how can we become those people? And how can we actually apply those things to our life so that, that we can rise above all of this mess that's taking place in our culture, in our country, in our world? I, I truly believe this. This is how we're gonna, this is how we're gonna change things. This is how we're gonna make a difference because once and for all, we decide we're gonna be the same person in the daylight that we are in the dark and that's how we're gonna live. Following after the leading of the Holy Spirit and where he goes, we go, and where he doesn't go, we stay away from. That's what's gonna make the difference. I'm well off my notes right now. Don't encourage me. I've got another 30, 45 minutes in me. If you'll now turn to the Gospel of John. No, I'm just kidding. Look, if you haven't been living this way, maybe you've never made a decision to follow after Jesus. You're watching online with us. You've never put your hope and trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you're here this morning, you're watching online, maybe you're, you're, you, you've drifted away over the years and, and that 60-year track record we've talked about building Maybe the track record you've been building isn't something that you're super proud of and that, quite frankly, you wouldn't want people to know about. For a lot of us, that stuff is in the private sectors of our life. It's the things we, we like to keep hidden. It's, there's, there's probably a lot of us here today that, that we may have something going on in our heart, something going on in our life that we are scared to death that somebody might find out about been there if that's you there's not condemnation that's that's just that's that's a the, the Holy Spirit convicting you and trying to get your attention saying hey you don't have to live that way you can be set free from that that's why Jesus came to die on the cross you don't have to live that way any longer. You, you can rise above that. You can, you can live as a person of integrity. Stop, stop building that other track record and start building a new one. And that can start fresh and clean and new today. If that's you, and for the first time or for the millionth time, you need forgiveness and you want to welcome Christ in as your Lord and Savior. And you want to choose to live for Him. I invite you to pray this prayer along with me. It's very simple. It's as simple as ABC, admit, believe, choose. So if that's you today here in person, online, for the first time you're making this decision, maybe you're rededicating your life, would you pray this, this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. Today, I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.